mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Everybody wants to admit that they've been hurt, but they don't want to admit that they've been doing the hurting yeah. to you. You forget that in someone else's story, you are the villain. There's a difference between understanding and excusing. Mm. Don't ever excuse, yeah, understand. understand. Uh, one of the adverse effects of generational trauma is that it doesn't just break a family apart, but it splinters it. Ooh, go there. Hello and welcome to the Two My Sisters podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Renee. And we are your online sisters and hosts of the Two My Sisters podcast. See, we are all about the wellness, growth and development of a community of sisters across the world. And in today's episode, we are going to be talking about generational trauma. That's right. We're going to be digging deep into the trauma that has spanned across generations, how it can show up in your everyday life, as well as practical ways that we can overcome trauma yeah <sighs> it's gonna be a heavy one but a good one a heavy but a good one yeah. now in the spirit of this being a rather meaty topic mm-hmm. we are super super proud to announce that our first sponsorship is from better hell our first sponsorship <laughs> <laughs> we want to make sure that you guys get access to the help that you need yeah and you can definitely do this by working with better help yeah. now better help is the online leading provider of counselors and they have over fifteen thousand counselors on their platform so if you find yourself you know dealing with life's challenges yeah. and you need some extra help BetterHelp is definitely the place for you. Yeah, I'm so happy that we are working with BetterHelp. I personally use them for my therapy um, and I've been doing so for about eight months now and it has been, actually no, nearly a year. I've been in therapy for nearly a year, yeah. And it has been life-changing and it's because it's so easy, it's all online, obviously with the pandemic and everything was so convenient. But um, yeah, so I'm just super excited and the the therapy that I get I love my therapist and I hope you love your therapist um, so with that being said if you are interested in signing up we suggest signing up using our personal link um, betterhelp.com forward slash to my sisters that is better h-e-l-p slash to my sisters and you can join over a million people taking charge of their mental health with experienced professionals Ooh. actual professional therapists if you use that link you are going to get 10% off your first month of therapy BetterHelp is already affordable it beats as in price wise Mm. it already beats traditional therapy but you can also get a further 10% off to get you started on your journey of tackling your mental health and just getting in a good place hashtag does someone say investing in ourselves yes saving the coins whilst doing it yes so the link is in the description um and definitely check it out whenever you need it awesome source well Getting into the uh, conversation. Ding, 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 ding. Let me put my glasses on because we finna have a dilemma, Miss Courtney. It's a dilemma, baby. It's a whole dilemma. <laughs> okay, okay, girl, don't worry. We got you, okay? Hey, sisters. Okay. How do you deal with false responsibility and setting boundaries with your family? 
Okay. I am a first generation African Mm -hmm. from the diaspora. Mm. And ever since leaving university 10 years ago, I have had to fund both myself and my family's lifestyle. For 10 years. Poor girl. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) I pay for bills as well as any emergencies. And I've struggled to do nice things for myself as I will be labeled selfish by Mm. the rest of my family. Any advice for a sister simply trying to get ahead? This is so sticky. Isn't it? This is so sticky. I feel like a lot of, especially if you're like the oldest daughter, Mm -hmm. just, yeah. Mm -hmm. If you are a daughter in a uh, African household and like, you know, like she said, she's a part of the diaspora. um, It is... To be honest, she's first generation, so I can imagine it's even worse. Yeah. Because the cultural expectations, the traditions, and what has, I guess, been allowed to happen yeah. before you means that this is a serious expectation. And African parents, well, to be honest, that's a, a massive generalization, but parents can tend to be quite overbearing mm. and really forceful with their expectations. Um, especially like she's mentioning especially guilt tripping you guilt tripping you into complying to what it is they expect Mm. i think drawing boundaries has to start well drawing boundaries is never easy but this one is particularly going to be hard because it's with people you love and you're going to have to find a way to communicate that this is not because you despise them or this is not because (laughs) this is not because you're trying to be selfish Mm. actually this is because like you mentioned it is a false responsibility your responsibility is not to be the breadwinner of your entire family. This is obviously a caveat to that, I think, is if your family are in really tough times, maybe they've, you know, jobs have been lost. um, Maybe parents have died or people have died, like breadwinners have died. And there is just a general, like, kind of, um, wait, what's the word? Something unusual has happened, yeah, right? Yeah. If this is not your your family, if your family is usually able to provide for themselves and something has happened, an unfortunate circumstance, which means mm-hmm. you have to step in, that's different mm-hmm. because that's temporary. But if this expectation is for consistently you being in the breadwinner position, mm. I personally don't believe the dynamics should be that way. Yeah. And I do want to tread kind of lightly because that could be, you know, a way a whole culture has been set up and it could be seen as that's what works for us. Mm. But in this case... It seems like it's working for their benefit, but it's not working for you. And you can say, okay, you know, I guess the flip side could be your parents may be thinking, well, we did this for our parents and now we our reward is to get it from you. But I don't think personally, I don't think parents should see their children as their retirement plan. That could sound very controversial. Well, we're going to get into that in this episode. I don't think parents should see their children as their retirement plan. I think children are, you know, a massive responsibility, a massive blessing, but they're not there to take care of you. You're meant to take care of them. They're going to have children that they have to turn, they have to take care of. I think, unfortunately, a lot of us come from cultures and unfortunate dynamics where it's expected that the parent, the children take care of the parents because the parents have taken care of their parents. I think that also leads to sometimes parents being bad parents to their children because their efforts are poured upwards. Mm, their po- their mm. efforts are poured towards their parents mm. instead of pouring it towards their children mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and allowing their children to then pour it towards their children or even to pour it into themselves, which is what you're experiencing. You can't not even just buy yourself nice things, but yeah, like you're saying, I struggle to do nice things for myself because it's seen as selfish 
a lot of our parents live completely selfless in the worst way. Yeah. This is not a selflessness that is um like oh, you're so charitable, that's so nice. This is a selflessness that would leave you homeless <laughs> and leave you struggling whilst others are provided for. Um, and whilst charity is amazing, taking care of people and having a caring heart is amazing. Yeah. You also have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, uh, our sister here, you're going to have responsibilities, whether that be to your partner, your family, your children, your community, whatever it is, your responsibilities should not f- in my opinion, first and foremost, be parents who can be independent. If your parents are dependents, like, you know, maybe disability or something like that, and you have mm. to be a carer, that's different. But if your parents are choosing to put you in this, that, that position, it's unfair. And I think that's what you understand. Having that conversation is going to be difficult, but it's going to be one that's out of love for yourself and understanding that this is not your place. You don't have to play this role. Sometimes you just have to put your foot down and say, I'm not going to do this anymore and come to make, it might not be amicable. It may not be even (laughs) agreed upon. It might not be a mutual decision, but this is how much I'm going to contribute or this is what I am willing to do. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you need me, I will be there, but you should not be relying on me solely because you know you're taking me for granted or you're taking advantage. That is a whole conversation you've got to have it's not going to be easy. And I I wish I could give you, and I wish I could say, ah, oh, you know, they're going to respect your boundaries. They probably won't. They're going to think you're, you know, wow, you're really grown and you're a grown woman and you're a strong woman. They probably won't. <laughs> and sometimes you've got to deal with people thinking you're the bad guy. Yeah. Sometimes you can't change the way people think about you. All you can do is make sure that they know you love them mm-hmm. and you're there for mm-hmm. them in their mm-hmm. times of need. Mm-hmm. But you are not, you having all this responsibility, I think it could even build resentment. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But yeah, I've talked way too much. What do you oh, think? Oh, you absolutely haven't talked. Wh- Listen, girl, <laughs> we're just getting started. <laughs> we are literally getting started. What do you I think? I think, um, I very much agree. I think what makes this difficult as well is the whole like first generation aspect, right? The yeah. whole cultural element. I think many folks can relate especially if you're from like a working class background or a first generation migrant family where you know you're essentially working with family or folks that are transposing an entirely different set of cultural norms on a very like different society a very different economic system and all of that stuff so even the feasibility of being able to give back is very very limited especially if you are living in you know a western country Mm. um And that's what makes it even harder. It's like you're literally fighting to keep yourself afloat Mm. whilst you're also fighting to keep, you know, your parents afloat. And then sometimes this can also be underpinned with feelings of guilt Mm. as well as resentment because Mm. it's like, oh, I've seen, I've grown seeing my family, um, you know, sacrifice so much for their family back home. Or I've seen my parents like literally struggle as a result of all of these different institutions and being in a place that's just not, you know, like their home that, you know, it feels almost like a, a duty to yes. give back, right? And nobody is saying that you shouldn't give back or you shouldn't contribute at mm, all. Of course. It's more, as Courtney said, it's about drawing those boundaries because even the people that love us most will, I can't find a um, sophisticated way of saying they will take you for a fool. <laughs> I really can't, no, but honestly, they will even the advantage. people that love us the most take advantage of us. Everyone takes advantage. Everyone is, everyone is thinking what's in it for me. Exactly. Yeah. And 
it may you may feel like you're being selfish yeah. even that is actually a response to trauma 100%. which we're going to get into a little bit later in the episode yeah. but this whole feeling guilty about you know looking after yourself or being um you know more prudent with your financial health the fact that you feel that that would be perceived as selfish yeah. and the fact that you've internalized that this is something that's selfish is very very harmful because yeah. in the long run like this is an episode on generational trauma. If you don't set those boundaries now, forget what's happening with you and your parents. Think about what's going to happen with you and your, your kids. Ch- your children. Oh, your kids are good. I don't want to say your kids will hate you, but that could be. They'll end up they in the same up. position. Exactly. Your They'll daughter's going to ask us the same question. Exactly. So it's difficult and you may end up being the bad guy in the short run or even for a long period of time. Yeah. But in the extended long run, it's better to start how you intend to end. This is it. So as uncomfortable, Mm. TMS is all about, you know, transparency. It's all about vulnerability. It's all about making sure that you can set boundaries that you're comfortable with. And most importantly, it's about having those awkward and uncomfortable conversations. Mm. Sometimes you have to take it home. It's not just about, it doesn't live here. It doesn't just live online. It doesn't just live within your friends, but it also lives within your family. Yeah. Um, and that's why we've even chosen this episode to do. Yeah. It's such a beautiful segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we genuinely, genuinely hope that was helpful. Um, and like we said, please, please dig deep into community, dig deep into the resources that you have to help you with that. If you do have friends that are supportive, ask them what they think, have conversations with them because yeah. um, a lot of the trauma, me and Courtney, as well as all of our other girls, we have frequent conversations about family trauma and the yeah. things that we've gone through. And sometimes drawing from that community or that sense of community can be yeah. super, super helpful um, to really help support your journey. And if you can, if it's something that is accessible to you, we've mentioned it already, going through therapy is yeah. super, super important as well because it means that you have this blank canvas with which you can actually talk about your feelings yeah. and, you know, unpack a lot of that trauma that you've gone through. So mm. sending lots of light and love, yeah. sis. You've I, got this. I did actually want to say something on the tr- uh, the therapy thing. Mm. I think when I went to therapy as well, it gave me confidence to say a lot of the things that I felt mm. um, because it puts you first. Yeah, yeah. Therapy puts you first. It helps you understand yourself through the lens of your experiences. And it can be hard sometimes to have these conversations when you haven't really got the language for what you're feeling mm. or you don't feel like what you're feeling actually matters. Um, and therapy yeah. kind of gives you that confidence or talking to someone or community. It gives you the opportunity to say, actually, this is important. And I need to have confidence to know how to lay this out and know that I'm not being outrageous yeah. or, and I'm not demanding for too much. And so walking through it a bit before you have the conversation may help you get the confidence you need that, you know, what you're going to be talking about, you know, why you're doing this. Um, and you've got the words and the language for it as well. So yeah, like Renee said, we are sending you all like all the love. Um, We really do love you. And we hope that this situation pans out in your best interest. Um, And, and in a way that is full of love and just care as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually really techy. It's tight. Ooh. Wow, not a slow motion. For those listening to the podcast, <laughs> Renee has done the most dramatic <laughs> slow motion classes. Come on, <laughs> give it to them. Segway. <laughs> I'm not a hair flick to you. 
We love to see it. <laughs> Courtney, I really but you look very nice. Thank you. Look you. Very so nice. do you, girl. I'm not an eyeshadow. Y'all, listen, if you're listening, you have to watch us on YouTube. You couldn't see the glow. Anyways. Um, segwaying on into the meaty segment. Yes. Um, the chunky, the episode. We're talking all things generational trauma. So Ooh. get comfortable if you haven't already. Yeah. Um, if you're going on a walk, sis, ramp up the, uh, the speed. <laughs> ramp up the speed. We're about to go 100 miles per hour. <laughs> so, Miss Courtney. Hello. What would you say is generational trauma? Like, how mm. would you describe generational trauma? Mm. Yeah. Let's start with that. I think as you grow up through different forms of socialization, your family, the environments that you're in, you learn certain principles, you learn um, ways to interact with people and ways to interact with yourself, Mm -hmm. which you then use to navigate relationships and life and your perspective uh, or your your view of yourself. You know, life is shaped by the people around you, right? When you get to a point where you're teaching that mindset, whether positive or negative to your children, that becomes a generational pattern or to Mm. people um, within your community who are like another generation or another group of people that when you're passing on those mindsets, those ideas, those principles, those um, values, norms and values to people, you're creating generational patterns. Generational trauma for me comes into the place when those patterns, principles, values, and norms that you're handing over mm. are actually dysfunctional and you don't know. Mm. Like you're not, or even I if like you're that. aware of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's all you've ever seen. Yeah. It's how you were taught to view life and view people. Mm-hmm. When you then pass that on, you enforce dysfunctional behaviors and patterns and mindsets and people grow up and the cycle is repeated. Mm, mm. So when we talk about generational cycles, generational patterns, it's more so about mindsets that are being passed on yeah. and going uncorrected. And people, it, it could be uncorrected because you don't know it's a problem yeah. because that's all you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Or it's too difficult to break away from that because everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm, it's a norm. Mm-hmm. It's set. It's a culture now. Yeah. How do you break away for, from something that has maybe hundreds of years or generations of legacy yeah. within your family or yeah. within your, your society? So generational trauma, I think, comes when you're handing out dysfunctional, you're handing down, sorry, dysfunctional mindsets towards different things. Could mm-hmm. be money, mm-hmm, could be mm-hmm. relationships. It could be your, like, body it could Mm. be whatever um it could be religion it could be whatever you're passing it down yeah and if it's dysfunctional I think it creates trauma Mm. um especially if those patterns and principles sorry I'm thinking through it as I'm going but like especially if those principles and values norms or whatever were learned through trauma yeah like as a response to trauma so if you are an extreme example, if you are coming from um, a, a, a situation where you were in a war-torn situation, yeah, you, yeah. you've experienced war around you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it will shape your perspective towards resources, your respect, your perspective towards people, militia, um, law, government. It will shape everything, your, your perspective towards food, family, everything. If you're then raising children who are not born into war, you're still thinking with that mindset yeah. of war yeah. unless you've 
kind of dealt with that trauma. Um, And so then they are raised, despite the fact they're not in the same environment, they're raised to behave the same way. And they might not question it because especially when you're a child, you just do what you're taught Mm. or what you're shown. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's dealing and confronting with where did I learn the things I did? Right. And are they functional or not for where I am right now? Yeah. But what about you? I absolutely love that. I love that definition so much. Um, I think to add to that a little bit, Mm. just the importance of the internal versus external stimuli Mm. when we're thinking about trauma. So the fact that I love the example that you used because that was in my mind as well, like Mm. the war-torn or when we think of, for example, the legacy of slavery or genocide. Those to me are external stimuli that cause a a response to trauma, Mm. um, a dysfunctional response which then gets passed down in generations, despite the fact that we no longer live in that context. So for me, that's kind of like the external stimuli that triggers a trauma, like a response to trauma. Mm. Then there's the internal stuff Mm. where, you know, certain relationships, for example, internally within a like family dynamic could be passed on. um, Or certain behaviors could be passed on. So for example, if um, somebody is an alcoholic or somebody is addicted to drugs, the likelihood of, you know, their child being addicted goes up. Yes. Um, Or if you're dealing with, for example, if you you grow up seeing domestic abuse, the likelihood of you either being with an abuser Mm. or becoming an abuser increases. So paying attention to this combination of external and internal stimuli Mm. and how this creates responses which are then catalogued in the brain. Because Mm. I think a lot of us think that trauma is not, not that it's easy to deal with, but it's Mm. something that you can catch and just, it's fine. Like I can overcome it with my willpower and all of that kind of stuff. But these are actually things that are physically and psychologically embedded within our psyche as responses to things. And if we don't spend enough time, you know, really digging deep. Yeah we're not going to be aware and we're not going to pick it up until sometimes it's actually a bit too late. Mm. So to me, that's really what generational trauma is about. It's about how have my experiences that are disturbing or um, really, really harmful or painful, Mm. how has that triggered, like you said, a dysfunctional response Mm. that has been carried on throughout a generation? Um, Mm. And then thinking about both the known and unknown forms traumatic responses yeah. right um what would you say are some of the adverse effects of generational trauma oh <laughs> it's actually I, I wanted to touch on what you just said mm. um something i learned from my therapist um well this video is it's, it this podcast is starting to sound overly sponsored but sorry <laughs> this is just bringing back all everything i've learned um was about neuropathways mm-hmm. and that like you're saying, those experiences that you go through, especially if they're repeated, yep. your brain actually forms ways of thinking and responding, yeah, like yeah. actual pathways of if this happens, what do you do? What's your reflexes, right? In behavior and physically, whatever. These getting over general generational trauma actually requires you to rewire your brain. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the most 
adverse. You can think out of willpower, you'll act differently. Mm. But at this point, it's becoming mm. part of who you, you don't even know why you do the things yeah. you do, yeah. especially if you haven't problematized some of the things mm-hmm. you do. Mm-hmm. Some of us think this is just the way I am. Yeah. We don't believe it's learned behavior or our body's way of adapting to some of our traumatic experiences. So for example, if you are just naturally a snappy person, yeah, you may be thinking this is my actual personality. This is how I am. I can't change it. That might be true. You may be a bit of a firecracker. Or <laughs> not firecracker. <laughs> you might be a bit of a firecracker. This is what I, I went through. Mm. Feeling like, okay, I'm a bit of a firecracker because mm. I've got this slick tongue. You know, that's just the way God made me. Actually, a lot of it was a response to trauma. Mm. Having sp- so much negative talk around you if people belittle you with their words you learn how to give it back as much as you take it right so even if you don't give it back to your abuser or to the person who is berating you Mm -hmm. you give it back to other people who are who then become victims of you and I think that's one of the adverse effects of generational trauma Mm -hmm. you actually sometimes can replicate what you see or you remain you you remain a victim to it, right? And this is not victim blaming. I mean, in the sense of you see it as acceptable. Whatever is happening to you or whatever behavior that you uh, conduct yourself in or people conduct towards you or people show to you, you think that that's okay. So if somebody is, if you've grown up, like the example you mentioned, if you've grown up seeing abuse, you're going to think maybe abuse is okay. Or as a defense mechanism, you may become an abuser or you may have trust issues. There are so many different ways that you may respond to this in mm. a form of self-defense mm-hmm. and actual mm-hmm. preservation. Like it's not bad that you did that. It was your body's way of preserving you, right? But then the question is, do you still need to be preserved in that way? And number two, some of us, let me give an analogy. Yeah. In preserving ourselves, yeah, some of us will build a wall around us, yeah? Some of us will then line that wall with like barbed wire, And then other of us will climb that wall and like aim with guns to anybody who comes near. There are different degrees of preserving yourself and self-defense, right? Especially mentally. Mm. If your reaction towards somebody posing as a perceived threat to you, especially if it triggers past pain, Mm -hmm. you may be somebody who completely blocks people out. You may be somebody who hurts people who comes near you. And you may be somebody who purposefully keeps people away as in by turning yourself into a threat to them as a form of reclaiming your power. There are so many ways that generational trauma can actually manifest, right? (sighs) That's why everything you do, I'm so happy I went through this period of just trying to be, maybe it was hyper self-awareness, but I literally would consciously ask myself, why did you respond like that? Why were you upset by yeah, that? Yeah. Why did that even make you happy? Mm-hmm. Why all of these things, what do you think has led up to you perceiving this behavior, whether it's your behavior, someone else's behavior as meaning this? And why did you mm. respond like this? Mm-hmm. You have to really start thinking, especially if you, not everyone has to do this. Some of some people had an amazing childhood and yeah. everything was functional. Their parents were super self-aware. They had done the work and now they're being raised happily and functionally that will be our children's testimony but some of us grew up in (laughs) (laughs) 
Shout out to our parents. You know my mum watches the podcast. Is this oh, it? religiously. She came home last week. No. And she was like, oh, I've been liking your podcast. Yeah, oh, Renee would just be sitting on the internet talking, talking. <laughs> oh, God. Hi, mummy. Um, hey, auntie. <laughs> but some of us gr- grow up in situations which can be quite hostile. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just can have things that aren't necessarily normal, right? It develops, like we, we said before, mm. learned behavior mm-hmm. or things, uh, um, reflexes to those. You actually need to question where they came from, especially if you know you're coming from that sort of place. Oh, Courtney, you were dropping some fire just there, boy. <laughs> no, I I definitely concur. I think there's just so many adverse effects of mm. generational trauma, to be honest with you. I read a book actually called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wallen. I have been raving about that book you ever have. since I, Listen, <laughs> I think everybody, that's mandatory reading because... It's just so important to be able to trace back certain things that Mm. actually didn't start with you. And sometimes some of the responses that you have to certain things also didn't start with your parents either. Mm. It, I've really, really started becoming a lot closer to my mother in particular during this year. Like she, hey mama. Hey mom. (laughs) She'd be watching too. She's like, love you auntie. (laughs) I love your mom, man. Oh my days. (laughs) As in Courtney has my mom's number. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like we were, I even have selfies with your mom. You're always like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm always gassing her WhatsApp profile pictures. Auntie, you're looking fly. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I've really, really become close to my mum over the past few years, I would Mm. say in particular. And it's part of, it's partly down to the fact that now I really do see her for the human that she is. We're going to dig into this when we get into our parenting segment. But hearing stories about her childhood and hearing stories about her parents and her grandparents. And it was then that I really started to deep. I was like, there are certain patterns and certain things that I see I do and you do that didn't start with you. And the book is so interesting in that it really helps you to start thinking and get that curiosity going as to, okay, yeah, maybe my parents are a bit dysfunctional, Mm. but did that dysfunction start with them? Mm. Where did it actually come from? And there's so many interesting stories in the book, both physically as well as psychologically, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to responses to things Mm. that can't be charted um, just to the parents. It is charted to a distant uncle. It's charted Mm. to like a great grandparent. So I'll definitely be dropping this in the mailing list upcoming. You guys need to read this book. It is amazing. Um, But yeah, thinking about adverse effects, I love what you were saying about the fact that it's either you become on the offensive yeah. or the defensive. Yeah. And sometimes we we like go between both, yeah. right? So sometimes, more often than not, a lot of people like to claim that they're defensive, yeah. right? It takes, it's a lot to like, you know, break down the walls. I'm offensive. Transparent <laughs> and vulnerable. It takes time to break that down. Yeah. And you said something a, a while ago, I think it was on Twitter or something, mm. that was really interesting, that was... Everybody wants to admit that they've been hurt, but they don't want to admit that they've been doing the hurting to you. And I think a lot of us are also active perpetuators of trauma. Like as much as we are like defensive and stuff like that, there are relationships and certain places or areas where you too have been a perpetrator of the trauma that you've experienced, whether it is in backbiting when you're speaking to your friends or being mean to your siblings or being, you know, mean to your parents. I think we need to tread carefully when our 
we like to kind of like pose as the folks that are mightier than thou, holier than thou. We've been done wrong. Yeah. It's not just you. And I think what's also interesting about like generational trauma is the way that it manifests differently, the way that it manifests differently across. Mm. So the trauma that, so for example, take your siblings. Ooh. The trauma that you've experienced as a family affects people so differently. Ooh. And it's only by actually having conversations with them that you figure mm-hmm. out like, raw, you have a very different understanding and response to the same trauma that we experienced. <laughs> Legit. Like I will, I like another one of my best friends is probably my brother. Mm. Um, and having long conversations with him about, you know, our childhood, mm. I was just like, wow, you're dealing with this a lot more differently no, than no, I no. do. And you're seeing things from an entirely different perspective. Yeah. You're the eldest son. So certain things that we experience, yeah. you're processing that trauma differently. Yeah. And I think sometimes one of the adverse effects of generational trauma is that it doesn't just break a family apart, but it splinters it. Ooh, go there. It splinters it in the sense that it's not just, you know, you against your parents, but it could end up being you against your brother or you against your sister, you against your cousin, your cousins against your sisters. And all Mm. of a sudden you have all of these weird dynamics. Like I'm sure you may have like experienced it where there's like certain groups of family we don't talk to, or there's certain periods of time where you're antagonistic to like your siblings. It's so, so problematic and unhealthy because it's not even just like a lateral um, coming down motion, but it's also a cross. Yes, horizontal. Ooh, you have just preached. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, because I unfortunately had to learn that about myself and my siblings. Mm. There there is so much, there are so many splinters Mm. there and it hurts it actually, because you, in your your bubble, you yeah. think, people have hurt me. I've been hurt. Look at all the things I had to see growing up. Think of all the things. That is just me being vulnerable. Like, think of all the things that I've had to go through. And you forget you weren't going through that alone. You weren't the only one who saw it. Exactly. And then when you start talking to other people, you start to think, oh, maybe I was actually a contributor to the pain that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it comes with the most pain I think yeah because you know what being hurt feels like and then to know you've inflicted that Mm. on somebody else it may Mm. have looked different or it might have been the same sometimes especially when you've got ego you've got pride you're also there thinking quite self-centered yeah you forget that in someone else's story you were the villain that is that was good oh that is so hard sometimes to process and it's heartbreaking because sometimes those relationships can't be mended. Um, yeah, like I'm thinking about like my younger sister, for example. Our relationship is, it's so, I love her mm. and she knows mm. I love her. Mm. And I know she loves me. But I'm trying, I think one of my biggest goals for this year is to make our relationship so much better. Mm. Because growing up in a household where I'm not the oldest of all my siblings, but yeah. in my household, I was the oldest yeah. and she was the youngest. And having, you know, a, a household where there's maybe a lot of conflict, a lot of tension, you, and especially when you and your siblings have different personalities, you're not the same. Yeah. We have very different personalities. And so her response to things, my response to things are not the same. Yeah. And so then sometimes she looks at me and I look at her and I'm like, we're looking at each other like, what the hell are you doing? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> This doesn't, and it can build resentment there. 
but it's because you're not really giving the other person room to just be them. Mm. And you're also not given room to be who you are and have to walk through those processes together. Um, so it, uh, yeah, like you said, it can be really heartbreaking and, um, like mending it, I think can be even harder. So much harder. I think it's, oh, one of my, one of the things that I kind of like worked through in therapy was Mm. the, um, where you said where and when you center yourself Mm. so i think a lot of us have trouble with centering ourselves and decentering ourselves where it might where it Mm. matters one of the like you know when someone's like talking to you and trying to express that you know the pain that they felt and all of that good stuff a lot of us are prone to saying well i was hurt too so (laughs) what now so you know what now and you did xyz and we automatically take the defensive yeah and that's one of the key places in life where we have to learn to decenter ourselves and we actually have to place the other person in the center and walk through that's what it means to really walk in somebody's shoes yes it means taking yourself out of the equation as yourself and perceiving yourself through the eyes of the other person so in the eyes of the other person you contributed to their depression you contributed to them feeling you know low self-esteem you contributed to their trauma and that's important and that's not to you know undermine the fact that they may have done the same to you Mm. but in that moment you have got to hand the stage hand over the mic and let them actually process that without you being in the center and without you being offended like this generation we've spoken about it so many times but this is really the generation of hashtag offended i'm offended i am upset that, i'm offended you hurt was, me you've hurt me you've hurt me yeah and this is not to undermine the fact that you've been hurt we'll yeah. get there don't worry we'll yeah. get there sweetheart <laughs> but in processing the fact that you've been hurt you too must understand that you've done hurting yeah that's part of the healing process yeah. and even if you don't think you've done the hurting you have to acknowledge other people are hurting exactly because i think some of us think i'm hurt everyone else is living life Nah, everyone has their coping mechanisms. It may look like they're living life, but inside they may be as torn as you are about mm-hmm. something else or about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you're saying, decenter yourself from thinking you're the only victim, you're yep. the only hurt one. You're not. You're not. You're not. Um, the segueing into parents and parenting. We've spoken a little bit about generational trauma and this segment, I really want to hone in mm. on our family. So our mm. immediate family, especially parents, because I know that there's a lot of sisters out there that are dealing with parental problems. Something we don't talk about Something enough. Something we don't talk about enough. No. Like we're always talking about the relationships we're going to have, yeah. but how about the ones we already have, especially within the family? And especially the ones that aren't romantic. <sighs> so Courtney, how old were you when you realized your mother wasn't superhuman? Oh, girls. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I think, oh, I, I was, it was only recent. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I was maybe 21. Yeah. 21. I'm 24 now. Mm. So only for the last three years, I think have I humanized my mom and my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I think my dad actually more early on than my mom, you know. Crazy. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. I humanized my dad earlier than my mom simply because I had higher expectations of my mom. Mm. Um, I have high expectations for both my parents. Don't get me wrong. Both my parents are absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, but I think growing up in a household where one parent might not always be there, but the parent that is there, you have high expectations for that person. Because one, you're they're holding the brunt of both parents. Um, they are 
everything. They are everything. They are the cornerstone of your entire family, yeah. especially um, when it's just the mum, right? Well, to be honest, even if it's like a single dad as yeah, well, yeah. they are the cornerstone of the family. They are your everything. And so you put all of that on them instead of it being spread across two people's strength. It's one. So then when you start to see that person crumble, you're thinking, what? You're meant to be, you're meant to be holding up everything. How are you? Boy. How are you crumbling? Like, you are strong. You are, mm. especially in a culture which tells you to be strong, to just keep going. And, and people take up several different mantles at one time, a lot of false responsibility. When they start to break a sweat, when they start to show you they can bleed, yeah. you start to realize you're just like me. And sometimes that leaves you feeling a bit insecure. Um, so yeah, I, I started to realize that she's human and she, she's tried and she's done she's tried. well. She's tried. She has done <laughs> well. You need to lower, not lower your expectations necessarily. Mm. You need to start viewing her, like you're saying from her lens. Yeah. And start thinking about what life looks like to her. She's not just a character in your life. Mm-hmm. She has a life. She has a history. A she had history. A, She has experiences before you even came into the world. You need to start understanding that. And once I, you know, would take time and just think about it, I started to deep. Mom, you are amazing. Like, honestly, you are amazing. And yeah. My mom, she's a real one, man. Honestly. I'll make a film about her one day. Honestly, like seriously, I've yeah. told my mom this all the time. Like you need to write a book about your experiences <laughs> or some kind of like film or something because yeah. they've been through it. Ooh. They really, really, really have been through it. And I think, well, what I think is interesting about your story insofar as like having higher expectations for your mother versus your father. Um, and we speak about this like off the podcast, yeah. like outside about, you know, the way that we deal with mothers versus mm. the way that we deal with fathers. And listen, mothers have been holding it down. They've the really, really been Ooh. holding it down. And I think I would encourage all of you folks, if you still can, whatever carer or um, mother or father is closest to you, actually sit them down and ask them about their life story. Please. Because you learn so much about... I even banter yeah. my mom sometimes about some of the choices that she made, yeah. she made now because we've got that kind of relationship yeah. and it's actually funny. hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting though because... <laughs> transparency allows you to humanize people a lot more. And I think the reason why I talked about humanizing my mom more than my dad was because my dad was more transparent with Mm. me about his weaknesses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My mom rarely showed her weaknesses. So when you then start to show your weaknesses, like you are acting out. Whereas my dad, it was like, yeah, you know, like I've been new. We've been knowing that, you know? So it's just like, okay, you are a human being. You've got bad sides you've got good sides mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but with my mum it was like we know you've got bad sides but your bad side seems to be coming out of absolutely nowhere or it seems to be like it's pent up yeah and now you're like unleashing it which makes you look even worse so I think the transparency thing I think we we come a lot of us come from households where our parents are not transparent yes because yes obviously it's different it's not necessarily about accountability it's not necessarily about the children holding their parents accountable it's more so about like you said you sharing your journey with me um and you revealing to me that you're not just my mum you're not just my dad you're a husband you're a brother you're a son this is it. you're a you, you're a provider you're yeah. a 
an employee somewhere, you're this, you're that, you're a student, you're all these different expectations tugging at you, mm. but I only see you in one context and you're not being transparent about your tiredness or your pain or so I'm I'm finding it hard to understand you because really and truly I don't really know you outside of you being a strong mum yeah or a strong dad yeah and I think a lot of parents suffer from superhero complex yes where they want to be everything to their child everything for better or for, or for worse. worse they want to be everything they don't want their kid to see their weakness your kid can be you know in their 30s understand they won't oh, be te- the 30s, no yeah. still be in the 30s thir- their kids will be in their 30s and they'll <laughs> oh. still be out here like I'm not gonna share you know Damn. this momental weakness yeah and I think that's also you know, a response to the trauma that they've experienced. Mm. I think in the cases of our parents who by all means have come to an entirely different society, an entirely mm. different country, you have to be strong yeah, or else you will crumble. Yeah, Dealing with all of these institutional factors, dealing with all of these environmental factors, mm. and then now having to actually raise kids in a culture that's entirely different to your own. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh. It's hard. Oh. Like I used to, like, sometimes I was just like, my parents are mad. Like some of your responses to <laughs> things, I'm just like, <laughs> why is everything okay? That? Why but are it's really as I've gotten older, I'm just like, your madness seems yes. like sound. You were sound of mine. I understood. You just I had am madder than you. <laughs> you're, in fact, you're, no, Courtney, you're I had this conversation right. with my mom. I was just like, <laughs> I used to think that you overreacted to certain things. Now I'm the one that I'm overreacts. the dramatic one. I'm the mad one. Certain <laughs> things that certain things that my mom will be like, you know, just leave it or like, yeah. I don't stand for that. I'm, I'm not I'm the taking it. One. I'm, I'm, not the, it. I'm not taking Literally. it. So I think a lot of parents definitely deal with that superhero complex. Yeah. And I think many of us deal with that in some kind of way when mm. you have like a, for me, for example, my little sisters, when I was growing up, I was definitely a, a mum. A, a mother figure. Yeah. I didn't want them to deal with anything that I had been dealing with pain-wise. I didn't want them to be bullied. I didn't want them to be doing X, Y, Z. Mm. And because I did that, our relationship was very, very opaque. I didn't mm. really know what was going on with my sisters. And it was only until, like, I would say the middle of their teenage years yeah. that, like, we really started to, like, scrap that whole yeah. mini mother thing. Yes. And I was just like, listen, just talk to me as a as friend. A, on level, a level. As a sister. Sister <laughs> to level. sister. Yeah. And literally sharing. I remember I sat down with one of my little sisters. Shout out to you. <laughs> not going to be out which one. My sisters are twins. <laughs> One of the twins came to me and I was just like, if you have any questions about like boys, mm, relationships, mm, sex, mm, you know, you can ask me, right? Mm, My sister looks at me and she was like, what? I was like, yeah, like, yeah. and she was like, okay. And then she, all of her questions just started tumbling wow. out and I answered them like back to back. And she was like, Renee, this is making me feel really weird and uncomfortable, <laughs> but thank you for that yeah. because I had so many things that I didn't like know yeah. how to get off my chest. And ever since then, I would say like the relationship between me and my sisters has improved so dramatically. Mm. Like I would definitely, I said, I've said this about my brother, but like my siblings are really like my best friends. Yeah, they really are. And it's really important to, again, see people as human Mm. and not allow the fact that you've dehumanized other figures. So your Mm. parents to manifest in other ways with your other relationships. Yeah, that is so good. That is so good. Huh, we might have to do a whole other episode for the sisters who are second mamas. Yo, the eldest daughter syndrome. Eldest daughter. We, we see you. We see you. We stand in solidarity. We stand in solidarity, <laughs> sis. Um, and I wanted to touch on really quickly yeah. the not so uh, 
kosher sides of mm. some parents. Mm. Um, I know a lot, this has been a hot topic for a while on like YouTube and like mm. social media, but narcissistic parenting. Yeah. And parents that live vicariously through their kids. Crazy parents. <laughs> um, crazy. I would say I've seen the extreme side of this because I've been, uh, what do you call it? Binge watching Criminal Minds a bit too much now. Thanks to Courtney. I used to think Courtney was mad because I remember we went on holiday once and I was watching Supernatural, which is an absolutely great series. Um, And she was watching Criminal Minds. I was like, girl, why are you watching this? Like, this is some dark, crazy (laughs) stuff. And I started watching it and I was like, I was so hooked because it was just so interesting to see how... Obviously, like, it's, it's like, sad. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, you know, crazy psychos. Yeah, they're criminals. That kind of criminals. Yeah. Exactly. But what was always interesting was the behavioral element of yes. it. Where did these people come from? Why are they acting like they, yeah. they do? And what is really cool about Criminal Minds is it's all about delivering a profile and it's all about understanding the person behind the crime yes. in order to solve the crime. A work of oh, art. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I got put onto Criminal Minds when I was about 14 years old. Um, and it's like 14 seasons is done now anyway. But if you have oh Disney Plus, I highly recommend. I think it's on Criminal Minds in the US and yeah. maybe outside of the UK. But D- Disney Plus has it for the UK girls. Um, Criminal Minds, for exactly the reason you said, is such an amazing show. Mm. Because you start to realise everyone is a human being. And everyone, apart from the the people who like genetically, they are like predisposed to kill. There are people who, and that's why I generally love, well, we've gone so left. Honestly. My favorite genre of anything is true crime. Mm. I love watching true crime on YouTube, documentaries, Mm -hmm. whatever, because you start to realize everyone kind of is shaped into who they become. What led you to become this? Crime is, crime is a response to trauma. Do you know how mad? And that when is? you watch when you watch Criminal Minds, obviously, like people will say, "Oh, but it's like a made up show; yeah. it's a fantasy." But go and watch the documentaries. Mm-hmm. Then once you hear people talk about their stories and the common things, the reason why they're able to profile is because these are patterns. If somebody grows up watching um, abuse, uh, alcoholism, um, if they grow up being neglected, if they grow up being starved, if they grow up with ravished poverty, all of these things can lead to people becoming hella dysfunctional and dangerous. 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 But yeah, narcissistic parents. Narcissistic parents. So the reason I brought up criminal minds is because there are a lot of cases in criminal minds where people have become killers, people have become robbers and all of that kind of stuff because of the pressure of having to live with or live Mm. up to the ideals that their narcissistic parents have placed on them. Like there were even like father son duos, yeah, all of that yep. kind of stuff. But to bring it to ground it back to reality, <laughs> ground it back to reality. Although that's not to say that this isn't reality because yeah, they exist. Criminal Minds is actually based on a lot of like true, real, true. Anyways, bringing killers. it bringing it back to our lived yeah. experiences. We are not serial killers. Um, <laughs> yeah, nobody's in the closet. Do you have bodies? No. To be honest, though, you're always the one. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally, if I killed a, <laughs> if I if I murder somebody, would you come? <laughs> You know, I'm suspicious <laughs> about you, actually. <laughs> you know those questions that you ask, like, normally people ask, like, their boyfriend or whatnot. Yeah. Like, Would you still love me if I did X, Y, Z? Guys, it comes I... out of nowhere. I'm just sitting there minding my business, eating my food. I'd be like, Courtney, if I called you at 3am and I had a body to, like, 
disposal. What would you do? And Courtney would just always look at me like, Renee, is everything okay? I have to come, don't I? I have to <laughs> grab my wig and put on some shoes. Get a she couple said, bags. no, let me put on my shoes. We've got some, some digging to do. Um, we're not glorifying um, at all. Don't do that. At all. If I would I, actually if, leave her. Yeah. I would, I would go to the police. Courtney has said multiple times that she will ring the police on 100%. me. So please Justice do the has same. To be there. Do the same. <laughs> if your friend calls you and they've committed a crime that is, you know, homicidal, yeah. <laughs> How do we get to these places? <laughs> <laughs> okay, bringing it back to narcissistic parents. Because I feel like this is a thing that a lot of people are dealing with, yeah. or at least some kind of strain or tendency of narcissism in the sense that because their parents get a lot of their satisfaction as to how well they've raised their child or how well their child is doing that puts a lot of pressure on the child or the person to live up to these ideals that may not necessarily match up to what they want for themselves Mm. i mean a classic example is you know i want my daughter to be a lawyer a banker or something like this and it's not something you're interested in how do you deal with how do you deal with that? And it's varying degrees because for some people it's a, you know, it's a career thing. Mm. For other people, it's a, my parents are controlling my life. My entire life. Um, I think first of all, in most cases, it is a form of love. Mm. I think having that as a basis of understanding is important or you'll think your parents hate you or don't care about you at all. I actually think it's because sometimes they care a bit too much. Not they care too much as if that's possible, but their care has been twisted. Mm. Mm. Um, And so I think it's a form of care. It's a form of love. Unfortunately, though, it can push you to a place where you can resent your parents. Yeah, Um, I think... How do you deal with something like that? I think you, sometimes you, I'm, I always say some of the dilemmas we get, I'm always the first to say, sometimes you just need to leave your parents home. You need to decenter your, like you need to actually remove yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you just have to create actual distance for them to learn you can live dare I say, without them. You're thankful for everything they've done, but them micromanaging you, that needs to end. That needs to end because you're a person who's been born with your your own purpose and they're meant to help steward you into that place and guide you to that place, but they're not meant to be doing life for you and you're not meant to be doing life for them Mm. um i think sometimes it's it's a response to their own trauma like i've been learning and having discussions about why is this whole doctor lawyer engineer did it it's like when you grow up with no money the jobs you know that make money are these jobs and so we want you to have security because we didn't have security i find that parents who are doctors lawyers they're happy with their children you know not following in their footsteps oftentimes some of them also have that same you'll replicate me but most of them are like yeah you want to go off and be a singer okay let's invest in that Mm. you know they're happy with you having your individuality and all of that and you exploring your creative side it's often the parents that don't have that security who want you to have what they didn't have again out of love but sometimes it can be overbearing in the way they push you to do it. Yeah. How sometimes you have to break free from that. Like I just told my parents up front, my parents wanted me to be a lawyer growing up. And I told them up front, I don't like that. <laughs> and the thing is, I try, <laughs> I tried it. I tried to satisfy them. And it. I realized I don't like it. All that it. reading, all of that office work, it's not me. I had to convince my parents. And I think we said this a couple episodes ago. You've raised me right right i know one 
I'm going to try and make a wise decision. But also you've raised me in a way where I know I have to deal with consequences. Mm. I'm very aware that consequences are real and Mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. they are negative. You've also raised me cognitive of like cognizant of that. Mm. You have to trust that you've raised me right and that I'll actually be able to flap my own wings yeah. and, and get on by myself. Um, and also reminding your parents, I'm not you. Sometimes that, that was the like cause of some of the biggest arguments with me and my parents. I'm not you. I have a different personality. I have different interests. I was raised in a completely different place in a completely different era it. with different friends. I am not you. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a good thing. It's just that we're different people and we are here to do life together. Mm-hmm. I love you, but don't, my parenting is not molding me into you. Do you get what I mean? Parenting is about, okay, I'm not a parent, so maybe I'm overstepping here, but I think parenting should be about guiding you to become more of who you are and who you're meant to be. Yeah. It's not about making me reflect you, you know, in, t- in terms of exactly how you are. Um, sometimes you just have to let your parents know that. Yeah. But I, and I have been called many times rude. <laughs> Oh, Courtney, you crack me up sometimes, man. You crack Many me times up. I Many have times. been called rude. Many okay? times. Many times, you know, <laughs> I've been locked out of my own house. <laughs> but things always worked out because my parents love me. You know? The proof's in the pudding. The proof is in the, the pudding. In the pu- I'm telling you, one of these days, we need to get our mum on the For show. Real. <laughs> For real. Because <laughs> I think that'll just be such an interesting uh, dynamic. As it were. Um, But yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think sometimes, and I think this is where social media can sometimes make things a little bit, not dramatic, but Mm. like it can exacerbate tensions. I think that was a very humane way to explain it. Mm. Whereas I think sometimes you go on the internet and you'll see like, oh, um, you know, these are things that my parents do. So they're narcissistic parents. I hate them. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down, profiler. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and this is not again. This is not to undermine the fact that some people are actually actively living with yeah. abusive parents. Yeah, and if that's the case, you need to find yourself yes. out of that situation as much as possible. ASAP. ASAP. And if it is a dire situation, we'll put some a couple of links in our description bar to help make sure that you guys get the help that you need. Um, but for those folks who kind of just dislike their parents because mm. they're a bit overbearing and they're yeah. like, you should be doing X, Y, Z. I've kind of understood it, as you said, to be a very dysfunctional form of love because oftentimes they, <laughs> want, us, they want us to do, they want us to make the right choices that they, they didn't, didn't make, make in their time of reckoning. Facts. And they don't want to see in, this is their weird way of basically saying, I don't want to see you repeat history and I don't want to see you experience some of the hurt and the pain that I've also experienced so yes there's the whole I want you to you know I'm living vicariously through you because I want better for you Mm. and I think sometimes our parents will always say you know it's just in the best your best best interest and stuff like that but because they haven't fully given us context and talked about their life experiences so you know like sometimes your mom will be like I don't like your friend don't hang out with them it's not necessarily just because, you know, they just actively don't like them. Sometimes it might be, I've had a friend that exhibits the same kind of qualities and madness that your friend here is exhibiting. And that led to X. I don't want you to go through the same. Or, you know, I don't like your boyfriend. She hasn't said why. Yeah. 
because they haven't given that context, it's like, oh, why are you trying to control me and live through my choices and rare tear tear? I would definitely challenge a lot of folks, a lot of sisters to just grab their mom and sit down for a chat. Yeah. Take her to lunch. Please. I know you're, I know it's, I know, I know yeah. you don't want to. Yeah. I know you it don't want to. It can be stressful though sometimes. Sometimes my mom will call me, can you do X? It's like, you've got a phone. Why don't you do it yourself? But you know, <laughs> I'm here to be of service. <laughs> but like actually having those moments where you treat your mother or father or whoever your carer as like your boy or your girl yeah like let's just talk on a level yeah forget the whole daughter mother like dynamic dynamic for a minute talk to me on a level and i think you'll find that when once you've humanized them a lot more and Mm. you've understood what came before them and Mm. what they've experienced it will place a lot of their mad behaviors in context, yeah. not to excuse them, but yeah. for you to understand. I think that's so also a good. very important distinction to make. There's a difference between understanding and excusing. Mm. Don't ever excuse, yeah, understand. understand. Oh, but you know what though? Sometimes you have to understand that that will take time. Yeah. Sometimes we can push our parents off the limit. Yeah. Like, because we want, <laughs> you, we're living in a, uh, society which yeah. is like becoming more vulnerable and transparent our parents still don't grow up like they didn't, that, yeah? they didn't. so sometimes i'll be like oh so dad did it and he's looking at me like who are you asking these questions can you to? imagine Relax. and that's when i know okay ease off ease off a little bit <laughs> you know he's not ready <laughs> you and your dad make me he's laugh not ready. And you, you know and your dad make me laugh. that time you asked him questions and he was just like but that's not fully stopped talking to me he fully stopped talking to me and i thought all i did was ask him he didn't talk to me for a week i think you've got to understand like it's like when your first session of therapy yeah mm-hmm, you go mm-hmm. there and you, your therapist will ask you stuff you're like oh we're going there like Sis, like, hold on, I don't know you. Yo, she'll be like, tell me about your childhood trauma. Like, yeah, so Ooh. tell me how it was. Gra- how did that make you feel? So why did he do... Stop it. You haven't even Relax. taken me for a drink yet. I don't yet. even know your last name. Do you know what I mean? You know? Girl. I don't know me, you from Adam. Send me a care basket me, or something before meanwhile, you... Meanwhile, we're even paying for the session. <laughs> we're paying for the session. <laughs> That's even another thing, you know. Some people will go to therapy just to say they've gone to therapy and they're yeah. doing well. But when they're dead, everything is fine. You're lying. You're, you're make the use it. of it, please. Um, But yeah sometimes it takes time it really does it actually takes time and yeah you might take your mum out for lunch she might not want to she this might be new to her she might, and she might be no. thinking no thank you <laughs> not asking me she these stupid questions no. <laughs> <laughs> not asking me silly questions but keep pressing yeah because you're yeah. trying to get to understand her like you said 100%. or um, understand your your father and so yeah take time give take them time. time the same way you've given your yourself time to yeah. heal and time to develop and time to form relationships give them time mm. as well mm. i think that's a beautiful segue into our last you know mm. more practical segment which is how does one go about the journey of overcoming generational trauma particularly trauma within the family mm. what are some practical tips tricks tricks Ac- of the trade acknowledge that something is wrong yeah um it's so easy to think i've always been like this my mom's like this my dad's like this this is how we do things so you don't problematize any behavior or any cycles realize that there's something (laughs) wrong and walk out you might not have all the language for it but i think the most immediate thing to do we sent out um the like emotion wheel yeah is try to pin down what you're feeling um and then start talking to somebody you know, it, you might not go to therapy. You may not have the resources to go to therapy. It just might not be something you want to do. I would always say to people, try it. But some people, it doesn't even work for them. So yeah. definitely know what's good for you. Try it out. See if it works. 
but you might want to talk to a friend. I was often talking to you yeah. about, you know, a lot. I was often learning so much <laughs> about a lot. And actually we would then find common ground. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, you know, I'm experiencing something similar. And now there's that transparency in that relationship that yeah. allows you to actually heal in community. I think when you try to heal yourself, it's something that I've tried to do on my own. Um, you can oftentimes just be so conflicted that you just need somebody not just to bounce off of but you just need wise counsel and you need somebody to help you process what you're feeling and to tell you when things aren't right because your mindset is your mindset and you filter everything through that but someone else has a different mindset someone else has different expertise so talk to somebody talk to someone about what it is you're going through add even if you think it's insignificant Mm. if it makes you if it makes you feel something talk to someone it's worth it like dignify your emotions with talking to somebody about them and acknowledging that they exist. Um, And then I guess the last thing I would say is identify how it is affecting your relationships and identify how it is affecting the way you treat life and the way you view yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be manifesting in your work, your friendships, your romantic relationships, identify how, the the traumas the events the words that were spoken to you maybe Mm. when you were a child or as you were growing up or even in your adulthood even if it's more recent how is that affecting the way you're carrying yourself Mm -hmm. and also I think it's important to pay attention to the narrative you tell yourself I often tell like would get myself okay if I was to tell someone my life story what would I say yeah right start walking through that and then you'll start to identify why do I frame things like Like this this, yeah um so yeah that's what I would say how about yourself I love that um to add to that I would say write a personal mission statement or like Mm. your own principles and values and then try to pinpoint where you got them from Mm. some of us think that oh you know I think this way or as you said like it's all about where is the source where did this come from why do I think this way yeah what are the things that you value most in your life What are the things that you value in your relationships? And then try to understand the source of that. Mm. More often than not, a lot of our like parenting and our experience of relationships and all of that kind of stuff has become the foundation of a lot of values that we haven't articulated yet. Mm. So articulate your values, articulate your principles on paper, on laptop, wherever is most comfortable for you. And then start doing the work of going backwards, yes. reverse engineering. Where did I get this from? Where did it come and from? not just your principles and your visions and, and your values, but also, as you said, your narrative. What do you tell yourself about yourself? Yes. What is the narrative that you tell yourself about yourself? Why do you feel this way about yourself? Mm. And where did that come from? Mm. So if you have low self-esteem, where did that come from? If you think, you know, that you're never going to amount to much, where did that come from? Because it certainly did not come from you. There's no way that your self-depreciating narrative came from you. So identify the sources um, of trauma and identify how that's crept into the way that you conceive of yourself your values and all of that good yeah. stuff and then this one is a little bit of a i can't find a sophisticated way of saying this but peg down your expectations of other people and mm. that includes all of your family members all of them or everybody is fallible yes everybody will let you down sometime <sighs> best believe it every even the people that love you the most yeah they will let you down i mean to be sometimes you even let yourself time like how many times have you told yourself stop. you wouldn't do something and you've done it you, like no one is perfect nobody is perfect peg down your expectations because oftentimes when we have these you know 
hyperinflated expectations, we're setting ourselves up for an even bigger fall. And this is not to say that you should just, you know, be thinking that everybody's going to let you down. Yeah, live life with no expectations. Exactly. But understand, I think that's where the whole, um, what do you call it? Conflation between like expectations versus standards. Yes. Don't expect too much from folks. Give them grace because that's what tripped up a lot of our parents. They gave themselves expectations they could never live up to. Whereas standards gives you a little bit more wiggle room. Like that's the standard. That's what I'm aspiring to. And if I fall short, I can still aspire to that. So make sure that your expectations are not over like the top. There's no need for that. And then the last thing that I would say towards overcoming generational trauma is basically what you said about giving yourself time. Mm. Give yourself so much time. We often have like a our internal personal joke of mm. like, I'm going to be the generational curse break in my family. <laughs> it ends here. Well, understand that if it's ending with you, there's a lot of work you got to do. Oh, say it again. I'm literally <laughs> going to make a video because I've been feeling it. Like, hold on a minute, sis. I know we're saying I'm go- the, the cycle ends with me. You saying it is not enough. It's okay. <laughs> I know there's power in words, but you saying I'm sure our parents also thought at some with some things their parents did. I would never do that. Yeah. I would never take yeah. that, and they did it. And yeah, here it we are. came and caught them off are. guard. You know, I I reflect back on dysfunctional relationships yep. that I have been in and thinking, ah, oh, you know, I used to chat the most to my mom. I'd never take that. I took and, it. And, oh. So you have to actually start realizing this takes you challenging your mindset mm-hmm. challenging your behaviors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. constantly evolving yeah that's painful yeah you have to tell yourself no yep. you have to put yourself first you have to do things that go against the grain yes <clears throat> that's not easy it's not it's not, you're not signing up for an easy task. You think the devil's been dealing blows to your family and you're just gonna, you can't hit me. And that's it. This is a war, babe. And you need to understand <laughs> that you, when you want to be a generational curse breaker or whatever, and you want the cycle to end with yeah. you, understand that you're already at a disadvantage space. Yes. In the sense that a lot of us will build on top of, but we need to break down even the very Tear foundations. It, down, it needs to, everything needs to go down. It's like trying to build on top of a house of cards. Yeah. Eventually it's just going to, That's why we always talk about start with your mindset, start with your values and start with your principles and then reverse engineer. It's going to take, like you're literally laying out the framework for your next generation. Yeah, you're laying a new foundation. This isn't just about you. Like when we talk about like legacy and wealth building and all of that kind of stuff, this is about how can I level the playing field so much so that eventually somebody after me gets a head start. This is it. This is Somebody after me has to get a head start. Because what's the point in telling yourself, oh, I can't... You want to be like one of those rappers that will be out here saying, I came from nothing, da 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 Yeah. But you're, you're, you're still nothing. Wow, they're trying. In fact, you might be worse. Wow. If that's the narrative, if, you're, if your narrative begins with, you came from nothing and yeah. you experienced X, Y, Z, this is the point in the story where you need to actually write a good ending. Mm. A word. You need to write a, a good word. ending. Yeah. Yeah. And you if need it's going to gonna ri- stop with you, write a good yeah. ending. Facts. Facts. Wow. It's so true because we're building, like we said, legacy and you're going to do all of this hard work so mm-hmm. that the people after you don't have to, Absolutely. you know, and that's the point. Forget the struggle Olympics. Exactly. We're, we're doing all of this hard work so that our kids and their kids and their kids don't have to, you know, and that's going to be challenging. You're mm-hmm. undoing generations of things and you're rebuilding things for generations to yeah. come. 
that is a lot on you. Like that's a lot on, on you. So take care of yourself and give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Don't do it alone. Um, whether that's with a friend, a therapist, your family, whatever. Um, because this is, this is a journey. This, this is really a journey. journey. And don't be surprised if this, this ambition to break down generational trauma doesn't end with you. Don't be disheartened mm. because there are certain things that your kids might have to break that yeah. you don't have capacity to do. Start the work. Or you don't have, re- it's important to start the work. It's okay. I know we talk about being starters and finishers. Yeah. Start this one, but it's okay if you don't finish it. As Ooh. long as you've started, yeah. somebody will pick up the battle. Come on. Just lay down the framework, give the head start, and somebody will win the race. Have faith that somebody will win the race. Oh, child. <laughs> Somebody bring the offering (laughs) basket. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah. So um, if you want to just, if you just want to, like, you know, the offering is coming around. um, But that, Sister Betty, Sister Betty, could you um, bring it this way? Sister Betty, it's always Sister Betty for me. But no, that is such a beautiful, beautiful way to end this episode. I can't believe we come to the end that flew by. That flew by. Well, unfortunately, sisters, it's that time where we have to depart from you. We'll be back sooner than you know it. But the conversation does not have to end there. You know that we are all up in your social businesses. We already know. And we want to hear from you. And you can definitely let us know what you think about generational trauma and overcoming trauma by adding us on Instagram at To My Sisterhood. And of course, come and say hi to us individually. Hello at CD Barteng and at Renee Kapuku. Yes. And of course, have the conversation over on Twitter as well. Same handle at To My Sisterhood. And you can hashtag To My Sisters. But also to get all these juicy resources, definitely check out the weekly mailing list. Just sign up at tomysisters.com and we will give you some news every week. Um, of course, check out BetterHelp. Link is in the description. Um, 10% off your first month and just generally helping you deal with everything that we've been discussing as well. There will also be like websites, numbers, helplines, all of that. Um, but we will talk to you very soon, like Renee said. And remember... <sighs> Keep glowing and growing. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.